Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Side with Andrew Gunling and JJ Devaney. Oh, yes! Caught offside just outside of New York City, an apartment in Brooklyn, New York. Andrew Gunling and JJ Devaney. What's up, brother? Oh, Andrew, I'm hoarse. You can tell. Yeah. There was shouting yesterday. I was at the Monroe Bar, packed for City and Liverpool. A stressful, tense, chaotic, extremely fun game. Uh, it, it was a, it was a super Sunday. So this, your, your hoarseness, you feel fine. This is solely based out of screaming at the bar. Yep, yep. That's uh, it's completely. There's no there's no illness afflicting me. Nothing like that. It was shouting at the television, um, fretting, a lot of fretting, uh, mm-hmm. worrying. And, uh, and, you know, having a few beers all comes together to attack my voice. Um, so now I, I was with my friend Phil, who was a scouser himself, and, and we screamed at the TV because that's how change happens in a game. Shouting. <laughs> and we all do know what that sounds like after our uh, live reaction pod at the end of last season. We do, yeah. People got an insight into, into the... I, I, like, I don't like to position myself as like this deranged fan. Like me and you know actual psychopaths who support their teams. Uh, Dave Rothenberg springs to mind. He's a New York Giants fan who's, he's not well. Um, And I don't like to, oh, look how crazy I am. But I I do like shouting. I do like that. There's something very communal about being a bar with people and and you're you're shouting together. You're expressing, you're emoting together. And uh, yesterday was a a classic example of, of how sports does that to people. Ah, I love it. I wish I could have been there with you. But we're glad that all of you are here with us uh, as this, the second week of the rest of our lives is underway, JJ. <laughs> Wherever you are listening to us currently, uh, thank you. I know we're Apple Podcasts, Spotify are, are two of the more prominent ones. Um, a few other housekeeping notes, of course. First off, we haven't said this in a while, but it's now seemingly more important than ever, I suppose. Uh Rating the podcast is hugely helpful. 
Uh, so if you can throw a little five-star rating, whether that's on Spotify or Apple or wherever, it's enormously helpful to the visibility of the podcast. So it would be tremendously appreciated. Even if you have negative things to say, just give us the five stars and then you can say whatever you want after that. Yeah, um, if you want to call us a pair of whatevers, go and do it, but hit mm-hmm. the five stars. And it's so easy to rate on, on Spotify as well. Click five stars, boom, you're done, out, on with your day. Bing, yeah. and bingo, bongo. Bingo, bongo. Um, I would also, of course, ask that everybody please subscribe to the Caught Offside podcast feed. It is now, you might see a couple uh, ours is the one with our beautiful faces. It's a picture of us, the black background, a little uh, caught offside logo in the middle, and then our two bodies and heads. <laughs> uh, and and it was one of those that we 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 told the photographer during that shoot in 2016. We're doing this as a joke. We don't actually want this one. We look like we're in a buddy film, leaning up against each other, kind of going, "What's going to happen next?" Um, and so, so that's us. And, uh, I, I shaved the night before I look horrible. Yeah. I, I, I remember thinking that when you came in and it was so bright as well. It was our friend Jeff that did it. Uh, yeah, but he it was did too- fine. He, he can only, he is only as good as the talent that he has to work with. And we are, we're ghouls. <laughs> we're not, I think you're a better looking man than me. Like if I was, if I oh was, well, yeah, I agree with that, but it doesn't necessarily mean that I'm handsome. You're no Ruben Diaz, you're no Joao Cancelo, <laughs> you're definitely not that. But you are like, you know, I suppose you're basic white guy, really. If I was creating a template of a white guy, you are what would happen. If it was like one of those safety infomercials, and I just needed a, a white guy showing the correct way to cross the road, you would be, you would be that guy. Yeah, back in like earlier playstation days now it's advanced and like when you're creating a player they can you can create anything but like in the early days of playstation when you were creating a player there were kind of just like a couple templates and like i i would look at it and be like oh my god that's me <laughs> like i was one of just like the the fifa 2001 white male templates you're also pro what i am you're also pro evil when they didn't have the rights uh clint dempsey oh, what a compliment when that you is. shave your hair you look like a, a terrible knockoff of, of Clint. It was one of the great compliments of my life. Former New York Giant uh, and huge soccer fan, O.C. Umanyora. He was in our studio once and um, unprompted. He said to me, uh, this was when I had my, my hair way more like closely shaved than it is now. Like it was uh, not a buzz cut, but close. Kind of like a faded buzz cut a little bit. And, and out of nowhere, he just goes, you know, you look a lot like Clint Dempsey. <laughs> Uh, and it was one of the crowning moments of my of my existence was to be told that. And I've you've always had, been grateful for it. You've written that out and framed it, I heard. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one other note that I should say, and I'll get in the habit of saying this more as well. We are not the website caught offside. <laughs> no. uh, that just know that. It's not an indictment on them in any way, shape, or form. But sometimes people get confused. Sometimes we've gotten people who have sent us messages offering to write for us. Uh, we are not that website. We have no affiliation with that website. And we're not they doing do what they do. We do what we do. And um, and yeah, so that's just just getting that out there for any new listeners out there who who weren't sure of that. At, at co at co soccer pod on Twitter, we need to get everyone over there. Um, we're start we're going to start up the YouTube channel this week where you can go. Whoa! Over, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna. We're not necessarily going to put anything you on it. We don't even have a working camera. No, we're not, we're not going to put anything on it, but we're going to have it so people can go and subscribe. And For then, posterity. And then we're, we're comforted by its existence. And then they'll know when we when we hit our first video, when it goes up there, they'll be able to know where to get it. They'll get the little uh, notification. 
You know, I would also tell people too, and I swear we're going to get to soccer in a sec, um, but I I finally took part in one of JJ's uh, afternoon Twitter spaces last Friday, and it was a true joy uh, to be able to like interact with everybody the way that we did. So I would, I would be very open to doing that as long as you're not continuing to plan them at times that are completely inconvenient. Um, I would love to do that uh, in the future as well. And, and through our interactions with all you guys out there who joined for that. And um, you know, a lot of you were giving us suggestions on, on ways to move forward. And some of them were really helpful, JJ. I kind of love, I can't remember who it was that had the suggestion, but I sort of loved the idea of um, starting out the uh, the YouTube platform as maybe the designated mailbag space. Yeah, I do like that one. I, I think there's something there. So anyway, yeah, look for all these things. This is a really exciting time in the history of this podcast. There's so many new things, content ideas like floating out there, and we can't wait to start putting them into into effect because I think it's going to be great. We're, we are expanding. This is becoming an empire. Uh, let's speaking of empires, JJ, Manchester city in action over the weekend in a terrifically thrilling match between them. And I guess their biggest rivals, Liverpool, like this is, you know, this is the, the preeminent rivalry of this league right now. And I think some of the, I mean, some of the extracurriculars around this match would support that not necessarily in a good way, but it all, it all paints the picture of just the ferocity that this rivalry has kind of turned into. I guess you, you, when you spend this many years locked in battle as these two teams have, the fans are kind of bound to uh, react in, in negative ways. We saw a little bit of that over the weekend. But, JJ, I mean, you, you referenced it at the start here with watching the game at, at the Monroe. Just what a game. What a fun game this was. Oh, it was incredibly fun. It, it was chaotic. It was It was skillful. It was tight. It was just, you know... It gave you the sense that uh, your stress levels were through the roof. You were completely absorbed in it. I mean, I say this regularly on the podcast. Soccer, there are so many games, and especially in the modern day with your phone, after a while you end up just, I wonder what else is on. This was not one of those games. It was engaging. It didn't matter that Liverpool have started the season so poorly. Didn't matter. This was as if it was number one and number two going after it. And I was trying to triangulate when this this run of good City Liverpool games started. I mean, last season we had the we had the two 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 games, um, but I think it was twenty eighteen when Mares blazed that penalty over the nil nil at Anfield, mm, where, okay. where Pep, Pep decided, listen, I'm not going to come here and get absolutely destroyed like before, where, where they score like three goals in 15 minutes. Not going to have it. I think every game since then has been just great theatre. And um, and if you're selling the Premier League, this is how you sell it. You show people this game. So full disclosure, I was not able to watch this live. I was at a, a <laughs> well, whatever. Go on, you <laughs> can't do that. You were at a what? I was at one of those things. Now I'll say this right now. I... It was an apple picking excursion. And I know people will roll their eyes or whatever. It was wonderful. No. I had a great time. There were a lot of our friends and families at like a private orchard that a friend of ours owns. It was beautiful. We were the drive up into the countryside with the, the foliage, JJ. It was just everything that you dream of. So I had to watch this um, later. But one of the guys that I was with there is a huge Liverpool fan. And so he was monitoring it on his phone. And it's just the way you've become conditioned when you're kind of consuming this era of Manchester City, especially this season of Manchester City with the way they're scoring goals. And so he was just checking his phone constantly. And um, 
at first I was kind of trying to avoid because I was like, I think I'm going to do the, I'm going to avoid and DVR and avoid. But then I was like, ah, you know what? I'll just see what's going on and, and I'll, I'll still rewatch it, but whatever. I, I'm, I'm not going to just stand here while he's getting these updates constantly. And so at one point he said to me, uh, City still haven't scored. And I like, just instinctively, I was like, I wasn't looking at the time. I wasn't thinking. I was like, oh, what are they in like the 40th? He's like, no, it's the 85th. And it's just like, it becomes hard to fathom Manchester City being shut down. Like I, I heard that they hadn't scored and there was there was no part of me that could have believed that it was late in the game. And so I ask you, JJ, how? How did Liverpool do this? That's a good question, Andrew. There's a couple of elements to it. And the first is obviously limiting uh, Haaland or afterwards. I tried to I tried to Pinaldo and Pessy him. So I came up with Erling Bald Fraudland. And I think that's the silence that deserves. Um, he had only a handful of chances and the one you'd expect him to sweep home in the second half uh, didn't quite get the contact he needed and it was a brilliant save from Allison. Um, but Michael Cox was writing more generally, not just about Haaland and City. And he was saying how, like for the first, well, not the first time, but one of the few occasions in this game that City didn't really have the width that they had in previous meetings and that this hurt their attack. And I couldn't believe I saw everyone in the Monroe flick through their, their phones uh, for the team in the pre-match. And everyone was so concerned about James Milner starting and how City would get after him and attack him. And it, would it be Jack Grealish? Would it be Phil Foden? It ended up being Foden. And that kind of, that kind of area of the field was actually a strength for Liverpool. Milner had a very good game himself. Elliot was getting back to help him. And Fabinho looked kind of like re-energized. So I suppose in many ways, the answer to your question is Liverpool did not allow their defense to be exposed in the way it has been. I mean, pretty much through every game at the start of this season. Fabinho was so much better. Um, They covered, they didn't like Gomez and and Van, Van Dijk had great games on their own, but they also covered them. They didn't allow them to be cut open and... And Milner had a quality game as well. Although there was one point where, you know, you could see Milner getting tired. You could see, you know, he's a 37, 38-year-old player who's who's been playing since the mid-1840s. And you could see that kind of weighing on him a little bit. And all I could think of was an advert that would that you would see on local TV and then maybe Tom Selleck talking about a retirement home. You know, walking through the leaves uh, and just saying, do you have a senior Milner? Are you worried about their future? Do you want them to enjoy their golden years? And and that's, I wanted him out of his misery, but at the same time, I thought he played very, very well. And that's essentially how they stopped him. And let's not forget, there was a goal that was ruled out. The opening goal was ruled out for Manchester City. And that was yeah. a key turning point. Yeah, well, should you want to talk about that? I mean, because I had a little more on Liverpool, but if you're going to talk about the goal that was ruled out, are, are we doing the referee controversy stuff or do you want to save? Let's things? hold off on that because I'm curious what you thought of Liverpool. I, th- I thought one key thing about Liverpool was there was an intensity. City were never allowed to settle in midfield. And it was something that harkened back to to the old Liverpool midfields of, of Henderson and Wijnaldum um, that really made life difficult for teams. And it you hope that this is what Liverpool can capture and bring forward. Um, but that remains to be seen. But I'm, I'm curious what you thought of them. So for one, a, a lot of what you said, I fully agree with. 
specifically Van Dyke and Joe Gomez. I thought they were very good. There were going to be moments. Um, there was one where Erling Holland I thought should have scored on a header where he kind of got loose of Joe Gomez. Yeah, um, that that's going to happen. That was in the first half. Yeah, stuff like that is going to happen when you when you're dealing with Man City and you're dealing with a player like Holland. But I, for the most part, I thought those two were really good in this game. I thought Diego Jota was really well was was really good as well. Like him coming back into the side, I think will give them like a, a really dynamic element in attack. Um, but sometimes I just can't help but wonder if like if sometimes it's it's more simple than what we kind of like view it to believe to be. And by that, I mean like Sala. Yeah. Like, I feel like if it, you know, he's, he's kind of gone through over this last year, a little bit of peaks and valleys. Now his peaks were, you know, Mount Everest, his valleys weren't that low. Um, but like, he's had a little bit of that up and down year and you see, we all know what he is when he's playing at that Mount Everest level. Well, he's he's coming back into that. Like he had the the six minute hat trick midweek in the Champions League, and I thought he was at it again this past weekend. He obviously scored the winning goal um, on an unbelievable turn where he kind of just like left Jao Cancelo in his dust. He amazing. almost had a, a goal that looked a lot like that in the in the first half as well, if not for an amazing save by Ederson. Uh, he probably Salah should have probably put that one home too. So I don't know. Sometimes I think like. Well, if, if Salah will play like that, like if Liverpool's best player is going to be their best player in that sort of way, then it's going to look good. And they're going to look like the version of Liverpool that we've come to know under Jurgen Klopp. Uh, Barney Rone said this about Salah because his role was different. He was moved more centrally. Yes. He was not out wide where we've gotten to to really know him. They, they changed it up a little bit. And Barney Rone uh, in The Guardian said he, Klopp, moved Mohamed Salah to the center and asked him to play as a kind of free radical center forward, not a false nine or a real number nine just a kind of Sala nine veering about in the gaps between the center backs, chest puffed legs, whirring like a cartoon mouse and looking <laughs> utterly refreshed in that role. I mean, like if Sala is going to be that version of Sala and if Klopp is going to utilize him in different ways where teams maybe don't have film on that yet and know exactly how they want to defend it. And there's going to be gaps that Salah's just allowed to roam wherever he wants in attack. He's going to be that attacking havoc wreaker. And he's a brilliant player when he's at his best. So Sure, a lot of guys had to play well for Liverpool to win this game. Manchester City are amazing. But sometimes against the best teams, when your best players are playing this way, it's that's everything. And, and to me, that was kind of my takeaway from this. Is like you know a memo to the rest of the league, look out, because Mohamed Salah looks like he's about to enter one of those Salah stretches. Yeah, and that's the Andrew Gundling thesis. Get your best players playing well in their right positions where they can make the most impact. And I think there's a lot to be said for that. There's also a lot to be said about just prescience and getting your head up. And we talked about um, Onana for, for Inter, his quick kick out for the uh, Latura Martinez set up for Robin Gosens midweek. Alisson reads that situation so perfectly well. Andrew, you can have the mindset, I'm going to catch that terrible free kick and I'm just going to do the usual thing, go down on my knees, do the Pickford, and kind of play out the clock. Hey, you know what? Let's just calm things down here. He didn't. He saw Salah isolated. He saw that the midfielders were not getting back quickly. He saw that De Bruyne was kind of in some kind of a stupor. And the next thing, Salah's gone. But the pass is so good. It's so good. Now, you still have to control it. You still have to spin and turn. And for Salah's confidence, Everybody, it doesn't matter who you are, 
at some point in your life, you wonder, do I still have it? Can I still do it? And that's such a classic Salah goal that had he missed that opportunity, I think that gets in his head. But like you said, the, the midweek revival, thank you, Glasgow Rangers. Thank you so much for that confidence boost. And he just took it in such brilliant Salah fashion. We've seen it so many times. I remember in um, 1819 against or 1920 against Manchester United, just racing away from a defence to side foot home. He's just so good at it. And it was just a, a statement or a, a kind of a, a reminder of how good he is for himself in a way. And the whole place erupted. Um, and it, you know what? One of the things that we, uh, I, I noticed this, well, I didn't notice it. It was, it was tweeted out. Uh, Guardiola does a, a version of the Tuchel exasperation on the sideline. It was unbelievable. The, the wide view where you can see all of it happening. Like he dropped to his knees. Yeah. Salah is still 50 yards from goal. <laughs> and Pep has no! dropped to his knees. He's not even looking at the play. It's no. like he knows what is what is about to happen before anyone has actually done anything. It was no, amazing to see that. No place in football has done a number on Pep Guardiola's mindset like Anfield. It's And you saw so it. true. You saw him frothing, and he, I always re- mention Shakespeare and King Lear on the heath, just garment rending, and then he winds up the Liverpool fans. It was right after the goal was disallowed. And he just, you know, oh, yeah, 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 come on, come on. And he just gets them going. I'm like, what are you doing? What is wrong with you? And you contrast that, Guardiola, with the one you fell in love with in the Figo documentary. The cool, calm, considered friend of Figo. And this man who was completely and utterly, to use football parlance, rattled by Anfield. I've never seen anything like it. The disallowed goal. Yes. I mean, he was he was furious about it. He lost his mind. But, I mean, it's the, it's the right call. Right. It's a clear foul. Well, okay. But here's the problem, Andrew. And, uh, and that's why if some City fans are upset with this, what are we letting go now? Because not that. Right. Okay. So that's where you draw the line. Pulling on, on, on a jersey. That's where the line is drawn. Did you see how many free kicks on both sides were not given by Anthony Taylor as he just And, like, and Klopp was probably right to be irate with well, the way Mo Salah was refereed in this game. Well both managers were upset. It was not a banner day for officiating. Andrew, this is part of a larger thing that me and you have spoken about and, and uh lots of Lots of media have spoken about it as well. The, the Premier League wants to maintain this value of robustness and or wants to get back to what they thought was what made it the best league in the world. And that means they're letting fouls go. Not mistake, not a mistake by a ref, not an error by an official, but as policy. And that's what you're going to get. Well, I think they took it too far. You, But you think it's okay not to call every foul then? Sure, but I think... I think pulling a shirt, who was it, Fabinho? Holland pulled Fabinho by the shirt to the ground, yeah, I, and, I, it, and it led to them scoring a goal. That I, has to be called. I think it's a free kick. A but clear I, foul leading to a goal has to be called. And it's why VAR is there. I, so I, I think it – I mean, Pep was furious about it, but I think it all kind of worked. Like, that's the way it's supposed to work to me. They let it go in real time, and they were able to go back and see, oh – this this foul happened and created a goal scoring opportunity, which led to a goal that can't be overruled. I was good with that. I thought it, the stuff with Salah. I mean, that's something different. I, they're just I don't know. 
normally the stars, I guess, are protected a little bit. It mm. would seem to be the complete opposite on two occasions in this game. Right. Klopp went ballistic, uh, was red carded. I think you could read his lips. What was he saying, JJ? Yeah, show it, show it. Like he was like asking for the red card to be to be shown. What um, what he did to the linesman, like <sighs> he had to be sent off. Oh, uh, of that's course. just the way it is. Can we? I wonder if this is almost a bigger topic, like. The, the treatment of referees. Uh, I saw that there's uh there's some like a referee. What was the the term used? I saw this at the BBC, um, where it's like a referee charity, I guess. Boy, of all the charities to donate to, <laughs> I don't know if that's quite on the the, 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 no, the nobility level of certain other ones, but sure, okay, fine. Um, but they they are demanding an inquiry into the way that managers are are treating referees, um. And they should like, I think that, you know, these, I think some of these calls were wrong and in a match of such intensity, I, I do understand Pep and Klopp and, you know, their anger in those situations. It's a high emotion, super important game, but like, there's just, I don't know. There's a line into, unto which like conduct is no longer acceptable. And I think especially Klopp, he crossed it. He, uh, Gary Lineker was talking about it. He said that uh, yellow cards have got to be issued on a harsher basis for this kind of dissent. Enough. I think he's right. Like, I, I don't know that people like, do people like this? It, it, does, does this enhance the intensity of the game to see a grown man absolutely berating like a kind of sheepish meeker grown man? Like it's, it's not a really a good look for anyone. No, I don't know. I'd be fine if they started handing out yellows a little more frequently no, for stuff like that. You're right. It's not good. And it's, it's something that, you know, grassroots football in England, the FA have had programs for the last decade, like silent sidelines where parents aren't allowed to shout or get involved and where there's only the coaches allowed to say X amount of things in a game. Um, mm. You know, this is a real issue at grassroots level. Uh, referees are assaulted, attacked, verbally abused. You see that on TV in the power of the Premier League and you can't have... Uh, what would be seen as endorsement of that. And I agree, there should be more yellows, there should be more reds, not just for Klopp, but for, for all, like, he's he's one of the, I suppose, main offenders that we, we take from this game, but, like, there's other referees in the crowding of players around referees. I think that's happening more now because of VAR as well. I mean, VAR has solved none of this. It's helped, It's helped. It hasn't really helped in that regard at all. But, yeah, I mean respect for the officials they're also human beings and i think i think online as well it's been allowed far too easily to kind of be, to to come together that anthony taylor is from some place that's close to manchester or his brother-in-law owns oh, for God's manchester sake. city jersey that stuff is real andrew and and fans enter the fray with a perception that there is a conspiracy against their team not a perception for some of them it's reality and to have a manager act that way against the officials is is not when you mix those two things together that's not good i don't know i i don't i don't get into the conspiracy arena that's just not I'm, i don't play there uh, i've had have you ever had i'm sure you have in all your years i've had a couple referee uh incidents from back in my uh my playing days I think my first one Jay, i think i was in third uh, well i was playing soccer um in a rec league in third grade Oh, Lord. And I believe we went down nine nothing. Um, it was it was horrifying. It, there was one kid on the other team who was just dominating. And so anyway, I was um, after they scored the ninth goal, um, 
the referee, he was getting ready to put the ball down to restart. And he, he said something like, I'm going to go check with your coach to see if he wants to just end this. Like he was being like some high school kid refereeing. He was being a jerk. Right. And so, so I spoke up for my team. I said, no, no, we'll, we want to keep playing. And he looked at me. He's like, you asked for it. And so I told him to shut up <laughs> a little third grade me. I said, shut up. And he said, and he, he yelled at me. And I cried on the field. And I remember my dad saying, what's wrong? What happened? Why are you? But I didn't want to tell him what happened because I had just told the referee to shut up. So I didn't want to give myself up. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. He just burst into tears. That's wonderful. Yeah. I remember the first game, competitive Gaelic football game I ever played. I just went around kicking people. And the ref had to speak to me after the game. He was like, no, you can't, you can't do that. And, and, you know, you should be more relaxed and don't be so angry, you know. I, I took oh. everything personally. You know? <laughs> it's just... very easy to believe. Yeah. I once almost lost it on a ref though, in a basketball game. Um, it was in overtime and I committed a foul to foul out of the game and I cursed, but he thought I was cursing at him. Oof. So he, in addition to fouling me out in overtime, he then heard me curse. He thought it was at him. Then he teed me up which gave them two free throws and the ball. And I lost it. I absolutely, cause it was, I said, I wasn't cursing at him. I was cursing at my own frustration for fouling out of this game in a, in a key moment. And I went crazy. I got home, slammed the door, punched. I'm a, I'm a big bed puncher. Punch, punch in the bed. God, yeah. I went absolutely ape on this ref. Furious. Oof. So look, I get it. I understand the emotion. Like it's, Sports are sports are inherently. Is, is there a more emotion filled thing that you can do in life than just like the heat of like other than war, um, you know? But like the emotion of sports is, you can't. Sometimes you just lose yourself. But it's it doesn't mean that it's okay. You're fi- and, you're a fifty five year old man who's one of the most visible people in world sport. You can't, you have to rein it in. You have to. Uh, by the way, yeah. Pep, Pep had this to say about the the ruled out goal. This is Anfield. The referee spoke with my assistants and said he's not going to make fouls unless they're clear. All game was play on except the goal we scored. And after that, it's not play on. That is the question. So when the referee decides to speak to the managers, to Jurgen Klopp, to my assistant coach and say, I'm going to be clear. It happens all the time in that way. Then you cannot disallow the goal. But if you decide in the first minute, fault, fault, fault. But you know, this is Anfield. So. Yeah, see, Mo Salah was mugged on multiple occasions, uh, occasions, sure. and it was allowed to continue. So I, I can't buy that. Well, I'm just... I, there are there have been moments where I where I do buy into that, uh, where things can happen at Anfield that favor Liverpool. But this this wasn't that because I watched what happened to Salah in that game. Yeah, so. I'm just saying, Andrew, that, um, and I don't not to belabor the point, but if you're not, if you as policy are not going to call every free, then this what this is what happens. You have this. Why didn't you um, call that? But you called this. So with this happening, I mean, this was kind of, look, it can't be considered a shock result when Liverpool beat Manchester City, but in the context of the season, it kind of is with where Liverpool were at and, and with how good City were playing. And so with that being the case, Mark Ogden has a, a good article up at ESPN FC suggesting that the title race is now as wide open as it's been in years. And I'm wondering if you agree with that sentiment. And if so, how many clubs do you think are in here now with a real shot at this? Um, I don't know if I fully subscribe to that view. I think I still think City are favourites, um, par- partially because Liverpool have had such a bad start. I think Arsenal, the the stats would show that Arsenal's start means that they 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 are 
right in there to go on and win the title. Yesterday we saw, or sorry, at the weekend we saw a little bit of frailty. Like that Leeds game, they had a they had a lot of good fortune in that game. That could have gone the other way quite easily. I, I think Bamford, Patrick Bamford, just needs to find some confidence from somewhere. Um, but he like that yeah. game, that game could have gone against Arsenal. I still think it's they, Arsenal. They did not play well in no, that game. They didn't. They didn't. But I, but is that a good thing though? Is that well, in the way of like you know the idea of playing well or playing poorly and still losing? Is that the mark of a good team, uh, especially on the road? But playing playing not great and winning is the, is is definitely a mark of of what we always talk about a more resilient Arsenal. That's good. But what you don't want is that performance to become kind of a pattern, and then you start losing, then you fall out of it. Right now, Arsenal are right in it. I still think City are there as well. And I think it's Arsenal and City. I don't think it's opened up. Look at Manchester United. They're better than they have been, but they were dire at the weekend against Newcastle. That was really poor. I think Newcastle are are setting themselves up to gate crash the top four, top five, um, and make things really difficult for those uh, uh, teams like Tottenham uh, and United. Um, but we don't know. Maybe Maybe they'll fall away. Have they enough depth to do that? I, remains to be seen but in terms of a title race I still see it as as Arsenal City and I still think City just based on what they have and their experience in winning titles are favourite I mostly agree with you I, I still believe even with the four point gap between Arsenal and City and Tottenham for that matter um, I still believe City are favourites I just think they're that good over the course of a season I, I just generally believe the cream rises to the top and I think City are are that Um but I'm not ready to rule out – I mean, look, it, it's a strange thing, but Arsenal are off to their uh, – this is their best start in any top division in their history. Uh, nine wins and a loss through 10 games played. Oh, yeah. And and this is Tottenham's – for all the weirdness of the start of their season through 10 games, this is the best ever start for Tottenham in the Premier League era. It's, um, the best, it's their best start in 59 years. Yeah. Um. So, like, you talk about a team who we feel like we haven't seen the best of, but they find ways to get results. I mean, that's been Tottenham for basically 10 games now with maybe the, the possible exception of Leicester City when they put up six. Um, and even I feel like what I've seen from Chelsea of late. I've forgotten about Chelsea. I'm not Chelsea. ready. Yeah. and Because remember, I mean, doing the game in hand stuff seems silly at this point. It's so early in the season. But uh, they, they've played a game fewer than the three above them. I'm not, I'm not ready to rule those teams out. Just yeah, Tottenham and Chelsea. I th- I think, you know, Tottenham partially because of their manager, um, you know, Antonio Conte has just he's just a proven winner. Uh, so there's just something about having faith in a manager like that who just knows how to get it across the line. That yeah, and, and I guess sort of the stingy way they play. They're whether you love it or hate it. And and this weekend it seemed like in what was another kind of just like classic. Conte version of Tottenham performance against Everton seems like there's a growing chorus of people who don't enjoy what's happening here, neutral specifically. Um, but like it, it's working for them. You know, they're, they're not really conceding many goals and they're taking advantage of their opportunities. Harry Kane is off to his best start, uh, which is really saying something in terms of goals scored uh, nine through 10 games. Um, and then Chelsea under this new manager, I feel like look refreshed. They look, dynamic in attack. Mason Mount looks like a new player from what we were looking at just, you know, three, four weeks ago. Um, I won't rule these teams out just yet. I, I, it might happen eventually. I do. Like I said, I think city are just ridiculous. Um, 
but I don't know. You see Manchester City lose, and it kind of maybe it gives a, a little boost to everyone else that they're actually there could be a fight here. I'm not calling it yet. Yeah, and I'm going to get it in the neck now for being so blasé about Chelsea, but they, they, I forgot about them. They are right in there, and I guess I forgot about them because they played in such a such a kind of a nondescript game, a very comfortable victory over Aston Villa at the weekend, aided in no small part by the defending of Tyrone Mings. Um, but yeah, Chelsea are right in there, and and the manager has made. He's made a good impact very early on. Before we move on to anything else, mm-hmm. Andrew, I just wanted to ask you a question. I am concerned. Uh-huh. Darwin Nunes, I don't think I've seen a worse cameo from a top flight professional in my life. That was, that was bad. I mean, he got on the ball <laughs> what, a lot. The chip give, attempt? What's that? Oh my God. What was that? I mean, God love him. He he tried. I know. And then, but the, but the worst thing was when everything opened up and he puts his head down and runs down the left and all he had to do was find Salah and that's 2-0. That's all he had to do. And uh, it was just his decision-making. Even the cross for Trent Alexander-Arnold at the far post, why not cut that back? Was it, was it Jota that was coming in? He has not made a good start. And it's not that, oh, he's struggling to score, et cetera, et cetera. It's not that for me. It's that he does not look like he's at that level. And I have to give him more time. Well, you knew, I think, look, when they bought him, I'm sure there was a hope that, like, okay, well, we lost Mane, but we've got Nunez, so we're good. That was probably flawed thinking if people were believing that. He's, he is obviously much more of a raw product than whatever they had before. Raw, you are so, your ability to phrase words in a kind fashion is uh, well, why go find say it in, in an unkind fashion? He's agricultural. What does that even mean? I don't know. I just there, I, I get I'm, I'm being so mean right now, but I, I, I'm, I'm just so underwhelmed and not convinced and concerned. It's a lot of money, it's a lot of money. Uh, relax, all right. Okay, I will. He's in his first two months with a, or three months with a new team, and he missed a, three of those for a straight red. He's getting acclimated. Let's all just calm down. Now, look, he may not be. It may not be this season where it clicks for him, but that might be okay. Like what? I mean, the front three for this past game was what? It was Salah in the middle, uh, Jota on the left. Was it? It was. It was. Salad down the center, Firmino in behind him, Jota on the yes, Jota on the left, and Heli, uh, Harvey Elliott on the right. Okay, and then you had the two sitting back behind Fabinho and Thiago Alcantara. Look, Andrew, I know I, I'm he's a professional footballer. Uh, he had a tremendous season last season. I, I I just can't, I just can't hide my feelings. I'm, I'm worried, really. Well, worried. That's what this is for. This is your chance to to express your feelings. Yes, it is. Um, they may be wrong and unfair, but agricultural. Yeah. Interesting. I think I got that from a tweet uh, prior to signing for Liverpool. There was a tweet of him doing stepovers, and it wasn't okay. smooth or silky. It was more like if if uh, Andrew, young Andrew that cried on the field was attempting to stepovers. That's how it looked. Ah, yeah, not pretty. No. Um, Erling bald fraudland. So when you came up with that... <laughs> Were you proud? Did you like 
did you actually think it was funny? I thought it was, it came together a little bit of pep, you know, because they call him, you know, his haters call him the bald fraud. And that's a, that's an online trope as well. And I was trying mm-hmm. to do a, uh, you know, you see all these tweets underneath big accounts where um, uh, Holland not top 10 in my book. And then they'll list everything that's wrong with them. This is like a thing. It's like the Pessy and Pinaldo thing. So I tried to, to enter the fray and I failed. I failed. You sure did. Um, let's see. Before we move on to El Clasico, I have a couple trivia questions for you. Oh, my God. Uh, you know, you know the, the Twitter account, the website, Who Scored? They do match ratings. Yeah. They're good. It's a good resource for kind of like keeping tabs on how guys are doing. Uh, JJ, this Premier League goalkeeper is the top Who Scored rated goalkeeper in Europe's top five leagues this season with a o- overall rating of 7.71. Who? Um... This is a tough one, but it, it's a team we kind of just talked about a little bit. Oh, we did? A little. Was well, not Allison. No, it's Keppa. He did How about have that a game. for a little career resurgence? He did have a game at the weekend. We should mention that. Kepa. A guy who was left for dead, um, who had been replaced. Now he's got his chance again, and he is very much making the most of it. I thought that was really interesting when I saw that. As recently as last season, I mean he was kind of a, a figure of fun in the penalty shootout in the Carling in the league cup final. Um, yeah. And the way he fell out with his manager refused to be substituted. That is. Yep. That's sort of what he's remembered for, but like quietly he's, he's come in and he's done a great job for Chelsea. He made a couple of class saves, very agile saves at the weekend. All right. Yeah. I, I should have mentioned. And, and then uh, one other interesting one here for you. Um, again, from who scored this player has now made 50% of the who scored premier league team of the weeks. He's the only player to have made it five times so far, uh, so far. Yes. Even more than a certain Norwegian striker. Ooh. It's a fullback. Huh? Who does he play for? Or what? Well, I mean, if I tell you that, yeah, I, don't, don't tell me that then. I don't know. Go on. Plays for Newcastle. Kieran Trippier. Yeah. Huh. Again, kind of quietly, but, what a great player. I thought Andy Robinson was very good at the weekend as well when we're talking about fullbacks. He's another guy who needs a, re- a bit of resurgence. Trippier, yeah. Well, listen, he was so highly regarded at, at, at Atleti. Like, they, they loved him. Absolutely loved him. Yeah, yeah. Um, so there you go. There you go. A little bit of Premier League um, for you here, JJ. Let's continue now. Uh, Got to talk about El Clasico. 3-1 Real Madrid. Before we even get to the game, we should say this kind of just happened earlier today. Congratulations to Kareem Benzema. As expected, Ballon d'Or winner. Had to be. Had to be. 15 Champions League goals, including hat-tricks against PSG and Chelsea. JJ, on the uh, while we're, let's stick with a little trivia kick. You know the last Frenchman to win the Ballon d'Or? Uh, Zinedine Zidane. Yeah, in 98. What? One of Benzema's heroes. Wow, there hasn't You're been a speechless. Frenchman. There hasn't been a Frenchman since. No, oh, I mean, look, obviously, oh, we're, in, yeah. we're in the era of it being dominated by two guys. But before that, I don't know. What do you think that maybe like Henri could have snuck in one year or Caught something on, like that, uh, or Zidane another year? Yeah, and and don't forget, it's had so like the Ballon d'Or has had like different different iterations um, and changes. Um, so it was once just France football did it, and and then it became a kind of a FIFA vehicle. And now I think it's gone back to France football. Yeah, so, it has. Yeah, so I suppose maybe there was variations within that. But yeah, Zidane, Zizou. <sighs> and he was the one, he's, Benzema 
says that Zidane is is his hero, and Zidane presented him with this Ballon d'Or. So it all it's all very poetic. I'll tell you what, man, we've been on like like this big documentary kick of late. I think fast forward fifteen years into the future, I think you got a really good Benzema documentary coming down the line. Like just think about like the arc of his career, kind of playing in the in the shadow of greatness on those Real Madrid Ronaldo teams banished from the national team for really weird, salacious reasons. Yeah. Late career surge when people wondered if he was good enough to carry a club, and then he goes and wins a Champions League and now a Ballon d'Or. Like, I feel like there's just there's just a really interesting story to be told there around this guy's career. You know, and it's funny, you've reminded me of something that I I have to look up. You know, they did a, a Zidane documentary back in the day in his final season, so it would have been 06, uh, including the World Cup controversy, the headbutt of Matarazzi. I mean, if that's if that wasn't in it, it wouldn't be worth watching. Well, I think they did it. Um, yeah, they they had a camera in a, a few games follow him, so the camera is just locked on him. So you see this graceful movement, his his ability to see three, four steps ahead. Mm-hmm. I remember when it came out, it was kind of groundbreaking, and now I've forgotten who directed it or what it was called. But I, I'm I'm going to look it up, and I think. Uh, I think people should uh, should give that a go because I remember at the time being very impressed by it. Uh, by the way, Gavi won the Young Player of the Year. Um, and uh, special shout-out to Sadio Mane, JJ. First of all, he finished runner-up to Benzema, which is maybe a little surprising to me. Although, I mean, I remember all the buzz he was getting late. And, of course, everything he did, not just for Liverpool, but you got to remember that this is also stuff that he was doing for his national team. Uh, so he was runner-up for the, the Ballon d'Or, and he won the Humanitarian Award for the charity work that he's done in his native Senegal. Uh, he built a hospital there. He's done unbelievable things. So um, good job, Sadio Mane. Great player, great guy. Zidane, a 21st century portrait. It's there a 2006 go. documentary focused purely on Zidane during the Spanish La Liga match played between Real Madrid and Villarreal on the 23rd of April 2005 at the Bernabeu and was filmed in real time using 17 synchronized cameras. Wait, wait, wait a minute. What? It... <laughs> It's just him in one game? Well, as I remember, it goes in and out of... Or is this a different documentary I'm thinking of? Oh, my God. I think it went in... Like, it would show him moving, and then it would cut to, to some other part of of, um, of that season and what was going on. How about you go find it, watch it, and report back next week? Don't get no, so, I don't know what to believe. Don't get so snippy with me. Uh, the film well, that, I just mentioned all this great stuff about Mane, and you didn't even listen. You weren't listening. No. You were focused on yourself Sorry. and the documentary, and I don't even know if what you're telling us is fact. Uh, apparently, this film uh, was also inspired Spike Lee's 2009 documentary, Kobe Doing Work. Have you seen that? Hmm. No. No. All right. El Clasico, JJ. Um, <laughs> statement win for Real Madrid, because I kind of think it, it might be. Yeah, probably in the like, context of the season. It's always great to beat your rivals and the league leaders, but I got the sense Real Madrid were... They just felt extremely confident going into this game. First goal, they exposed that Barca high line. Um, I mean, I, it's a really good finish from, from Benzema because Ter Stegen makes a good save from Vinicius and and uh, it, it was a really composed finish then for, for Benzema. I think if Lewandowski has that chance converted on 25 minutes from that Rafinha cross to equalize, that would have made a big, big difference. But he somehow put it over the bar from, what, two or three yards? Yeah. I mean, he was stretching. Um, 
And the second goal as well, though, was a bit like the first in terms of Valverde had all that time to drill it home. You can, where was the where was the closing down? Where was any of that? Um, and the third goal, I honestly didn't think it was a penalty. So, um, but yeah, Barca just rounding off a pretty miserable week with uh, with a yeah. poor result. Yeah, um, certainly for Real Madrid, you could say it's a statement win for them. But for me, the kind of a statement for two players, um, Tony Kroos, who I thought his role has kind of changed a little bit. You know, now more of like kind of like the guy that when they want to play it out of the back, they go to him and then he carries it upfield and he's just done it so brilliantly. The way he helps set up the first goal as he's being dragged down by Busquets, but he stays up long enough and gets that pass off to help create it. Um, he was great. And then, I mean, I talked about this guy, I forget, a month, month and a half ago, but Fede Valverde, like yeah. you said, great goal that he scored. And, and Kroos himself tweeted uh, afterwards about him, and he said, Fede Valverde, top three in the world right now. That's high now, praise. I mean, that, that is high praise. Is it a stretch? Maybe a little, but, I mean, it's he's not he, – he's climbing quickly. Every, He's climbing very quickly. Every time I watch him, I'm I'm more impressed and kind of embarrassed that I I didn't really. He just he's not a player who pops into my head regularly. Now that could be because of our Anglo centric view and we don't see him except in really in the big games and the Champions League games. But he, he's outstanding. He really is. Um, by the way, we need to get our as a priority. Need to get our drops. We have to figure out a way to fire our drops. How can we just say that's high praise? And not have Nick Cage from Saturday Night Live saying it. That's high praise. That's high praise. We'll work on it one thing at a time. We're taking baby steps here. Um, meanwhile, JJ, on the Barcelona side, I thought this was really interesting. I know you're a big admirer of Graham Hunter's work. Yeah, he's awesome. Um, he has a really interesting article at ESPN FC where he is he's pretty complimentary of Barcelona. And he basically says, you know, I'm kind of paraphrasing a little bit, but he basically says to not allow yourself to be fooled by the result of this and, and pay attention to what Barcelona are actually doing, where their progress is now compared to where it was under Koeman a year ago um, and the work that Javi is getting done there. Because he says, you know, if you look at the stats, they're, they're actually quite favorable to Barcelona in this game. Okay. Uh, shots, shots on target, possession, passes in the final third. Um you know, he mentions that they largely kept Vinicius in check. His touches were like a, a, a third of what they normally are over okay. the course of a game. Uh, he talks about their meaningful possession in the attacking third. He says that this is more down to like kind of, I guess, the mental element of the game. Sloppy mistakes, uh, lazy effort in getting back. He cites Rafinha on that one. Um, and Real Madrid essentially being the complete opposite of those things. An incredibly strong team mentally. Um, as you know, was on full display last year in the Champions League, a team that is just ruthless when they're given their opportunities, and um, and Barcelona make mistakes that help lead to Real Madrid opportunities, and they're just great enough to capitalize on them. But um, his position is basically that you know, if, if you want to say negative things about Barcelona, that this game may not be the one that you want to prop up for that. I wonder, uh, I wonder what you think of that. Yeah, and I, I honestly don't think they played that badly in the game, but. I'm kind of swayed by friend of the pod. Uh, I was listening to Jack Pitbrook talk about Barcelona last week on uh, Second Captains, and he said, and I'm paraphrasing, this is a team that at one point we thought was going to be a developing side of youth 
And then this summer, they fast-forwarded to the expensive senior player stage without the good bits in the middle where they go and they develop and they win things. And I kind of I feel that way that the project has got sidetracked somewhat. You know, cool. because Xavi's big thing was going to be, it was going to be that not, it was going to be a cultural reset, a return to what they were before. And that would be players coming through the academy, a focus on young players, which they have, yeah, and now and then they're going out and buying a, you know, the most one of the most high profile centre forwards. So I know Jack. Jack just said that, and it kind of made me, made me ponder for a second. Like, what what is the next stage then for this team? That's the question. Like, where do they go from here now when they've kind of skipped the development stage? To to win things, I think they've probably accelerated. Do you think the they're going to win things? I mean, they're about to go out of the Champions well, League, and they're yeah, probably no, that, going that's... to. They're probably going to lose their domestic league. Right, right. But I'm saying, like, I, they have one loss in La Liga. Right. And it's to the, what would you say, the, the best or the second best team in the world on that team's ground? Like, it's not a, them losing this game is not necessarily an indictment on whatever it is they're trying to achieve. Like, this is, you know, to read Graham Hunter is to take from this that they didn't play that poorly. They just they didn't. Like, that Real Madrid is just, you know, a a great team in the middle of, of a great period. And it was, it's always going to be a hard ask for anybody, let alone, you know, Barcelona included. So yeah, I, I don't know. Like, yeah, w- what's going on for Barcelona in the Champions League is, is devastating to whatever they thought they were going to be this season. I'm sure a lot of the moves they made, especially Lewandowski, you know, that was probably with the Champions League in mind. Yeah. Um, but in terms of like using that, using this defeat as some kind of indictment on, um, on this project, on the decisions that they made this past summer. Um, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if I would go so far as to say that. I think, I still think pretty highly of them. And I think what they're trying to do in terms of, I mean, look, if you're Barcelona, especially in in the financial dire straits they were in, like, you don't really, you're not really afforded the luxury of being able to rebuild. Maybe that would have been the smart thing, but like, they kind of need money. They kind of, you know, and the best way to do that, I I guess, is by, you know, qualifying for Champions League play and advancing in, in the competition. Now, they're going to get hurt there. Um, I see they've hit but... the Drake lever. <laughs> of all the levers in world football, apparently they have a Drake lever. They're going to have the, the Drake owl on, on front of, uh, on their jersey. Yeah, this, this Spotify partnership. It's really bearing fruit. Incredible. Incredible for, for a club that I remember when we talked to Simon Cooper would not entertain the idea of a shirt sponsor. Their colors were too, they were too important. They were too um, sanctified. And now just put Drake on the front. <laughs> what was it for? It was because he became what? The first Spotify artist for to hit some, some like unbelievable benchmark, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, is that any better or worse than like a, a shirt sponsor of a company? I don't know. I guess it's different. I think so it was in like in the moment it felt weird, but I don't know. I guess thinking more about it, I'm kind of fine with it. There was one of uh, the Cooligan guys. I, I can't remember which one of them, but they tweeted out a picture after the midweek def- uh, draw with Inter Milan, and it's Goldman Sachs, right? And it's um, I think it's one of the actors from from Get Out. Oh, I can't remember his name. 
and he's just looking up at the guy with his head. You can't see me. I know this is an audio medium, but this is where YouTube will come in. But he's just looking at him like, what are you doing? And uh, he, he entitled it Goldman Sachs when they see Barcelona's result. They're, they're <laughs> leveraged. They're, they're in such a bad, bad order, Andrew. Like, us even talking about, you know, results and games right now when this ship is in just... It's, it's, like, it's like stopping to listen to the band on the Titanic instead of getting in the lifeboat. Like, that's what we're doing. <laughs> we're engaging in right now. Uh, you have anything else on El Clasico? Uh, no, I don't. I don't. I'm ready right, to move on. Now. Yeah, let's go now to uh, MLS postseason underway. Actually, they're playing as we speak right now. I should probably City Field. do that thing. Yeah, uh, that thing that we do where stupidly we we look at results in progress on a podcast that is recorded and not live. And, do you want me uh, to give? To do it. you want me to talk about it or no? Well, it's nil nil right now. It's nil nil. Hour gone. Um, between NYCFC and Inter Miami. Yeah, bases loaded. It could be Gonzalo Higuain's final game. Yes, and there After are JJ some... really sent him out with a with with beautiful prose last week or two weeks ago. It was and really that... a, a gorgeous tribute. And now his last professional game is going to be in the home of the NL East Chokers. Like wow, I'm a, and I'm a Mets fan. Unbelievable. Yeah, you've um, you've fallen right in line. I've never seen a fan base turn on a team so quickly. I know it's it's pretty. I'm not that bad. I still enjoyed the season, but crazy. Uh, in terms of 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 going out, you know, I know he's. I pretty much slagged him off last week and said Gonzalo Higuain. <laughs> we hardly knew ye, but um, you kind of made fun of his baldness. Uh, it was unfair. Uh, I mean, yeah. But but my point uh, was, did I ever tell the story about like if you're going for weird send offs? Raul and Senna, Hofstra Stadium. With the Cosmos? Yeah, that was one of the, on essentially a lacrosse field, <laughs> saying goodbye to uh, professional football. Downstairs in this weird subterranean um, uh, media conference room. And one of the last people that Raul, this amazing fellow, once the, 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 the franchise, the face of the franchise of Real Madrid, and I'm one of the people that's there to see to send him off. Imagine. <laughs> that's a terrible way to finish a career. Mike. Was he emotional? Oh, he was. Yeah, he, he was. He certainly was. Um, and I was out on the field after afterwards with him. Um, Cosmos clinched the, the old uh, championship. Uh, what was it called that they played in? The NASL? Yeah. That was um that was one of the last NASL seasons and um yeah he was he was very emotional very strange just the whole thing was very odd yeah yeah I'm sure um in terms of what stood out from over the weekend uh look I I earmarked this one in our Twitter space we were asked about it on Friday afternoon New York Red Bulls and FC Cincinnati oh and my God you know the the question we were asked and I'm making it a a little bit unfair, but it was kind of looking ahead a little to a possible Red Bulls matchup with the Philadelphia Union. And I said, pump the brakes because I would, I'd be really worried about FC Cincinnati in this one. And sure enough, they prevail um, a late goal from Brandon Vasquez. Um, you know, it, Pat Noonan said something afterwards that I thought was so interesting. We, we kind of referenced this before in certain aspects, um, but he came right out and said it. And he basically said that the, the early goal that the Red Bulls scored in the second half, may have actually helped Cincinnati to, to play a little bit 
because the first half was was kind of what we thought it would be. It was sort of helter-skelter. There wasn't much flow in any direction. And that goal, again, it's a you want to score goals, but like it changed the game and it forced Cincinnati to really come into the game. And of course, then they score two goals themselves to go on and win it. Um, I just thought that was a very that was a very interesting way of, of of kind of looking at a situation when when you go down a goal and kind of tell you know your team actually rallies from it in a way that is helpful. Yeah, it's an interesting point. You had some troubling text messages to me over the weekend. I'm going to betray confidences here. Confidences here, if that's okay. About what? Well, about oh well, so I was going to get to that right now. Oh, you want to go? Well, yeah. So I mean, look if. This podcast is very USMNT centric. A lot of the things that I see, I kind of think about it through that lens. And it's a World Cup year. It makes sense. Yeah. And so if you were watching that game, the Red Bulls and FC Cincinnati, and you saw the way the winning goal transpired, oh. I mean, it was hard not to have some thoughts about. I mean, look, you can have them about Brandon Vasquez. We know he's, uh, for however great a season he's had, he's pretty much been told he's not going um which okay i I mean i suppose i get that uh you know greg has his guys that he trusts vasquez is sort of a late bloomer maybe in the grand scheme of things so fair enough but it was the guy who he burnt in the build-up to that goal aaron long um that was a little bit jarring it was it was horrendous andrew uh just for people that's paint a picture it's a throw-in pretty much in midfield on the right-hand side of the Red Bull defense. They lose the ball straight away, and I don't know if it's Acosta or whoever gets on it, but um, for Cincinnati break. And Long tracks Vasquez, then stops, and then tries to pick up again, and Vasquez just burns. Like, Long doesn't even get close to him, and Vasquez rolls it home. The lack of awareness, and then, secondly, the lack of real recovery speed, especially when we're being told, this guy is going because we'll play a high line and we need guys who are quick in the recovery run. And he's, he was none of those things. Now, we've had question marks over him before. We've expressed them on the podcast. That was absolutely concerning. And then you wrap it up with the fact that Nashville are now out. Red Bulls are out. The, up until recently, pref- uh, preferred starting centre-backs of Long and Zimmerman will now not play for a month. Their next competitive game will be against Wales in Qatar in the World Cup. Yeah, and for this to have been sort of the final impression that Long was able to make. I mean, there was a goal in the 86th minute to send them out of the postseason. Um, just if you were hoping for some like redeemable playoff for him, where he, you know, where he kind of rises to the occasion. Uh, unfortunately, and look, you didn't get it, and like. I, I do sometimes feel bad doing this because I love his story. Like he, he was a, you know, an established player uh, for the Red Bulls. He was starting to even get interest. It seemed from abroad and then he suffered that terrible injury. And so like, it is a great story that he's able, he's been able to fight his way back and get back into the national team picture and, you know, props to him. I'm sure that was an unbelievable grind. He probably thought that, you know, his, his window had closed. Um, so, like, there is a, a positive side to the story, but in terms of wanting to have the best possible team out there, when you see things like that, Vasquez burning him in that moment in a high-line situation, which is why supposedly we've been told he's there, it's it's concerning. It's, it's normal for a fan to feel that way. So, and then on top of this, JJ, 
the tweet that I sent to you, oh. Fulham, from their official Twitter account over the weekend, they send this out. 100% aerial duels won. Most passes into the final third. Dribbled past zero times. Ladies and gentlemen, Tim Ream. And it's just... <laughs> I just can't get past this. The weirdness of this. It will... My text to you, I'll just read it. I sent, I sent that to you, the tweet from Fulham, and I wrote... It will forever be weird to me that he's not even under consideration to make the squad at a position that really doesn't have that many good players. I'm not saying he needs to be on the team, but the fact that he's not even on the bubble, just weird to me. Now, in fairness to Greg, I don't he, get it. he'd say, oh, well, we've looked at everyone. We are looking at everyone. No one's out of contention. But, I mean, he's pretty much been sidelined for some time now. And on the basis of what? When he did play, he played in a, a kind of a left-sided fullback role where he's not comfortable. I don't want to see him there, but surely, surely he should be in contention. Cameron Carter-Vickers probably will be on the plane. Surely he should be starting in the team. You know... I mean, look, the unfortunate reality is, like, when you do take a step back, because we're in our American brains and we're in our American bubble and all those things, when you do take a step back, let's be real with each other here. None of these options are amazing. You know, like... It there's not like I don't know. You you can have question marks about Long or Zimmerman or whoever, but like you can't necessarily sit here and tell me with a straight face that some of the other options that are being bypassed are are definitive sure things. No, but I it's would not, say it's not a great pool that we're trying to choose from, unfortunately. But but if you look at a passing team, a team that also plays with a high line, um, often uh, Ange Postecoglou, Celtic, a guy who's captained the team recently like surely he's in the yeah surely he's in the running um just while we're talking about this i uh i went back in time because that game was a bit of a throwback uh to a well to another era we talk about tim ream did you see the center backs for cincinnati jeff cameron jeff cameron matt miazga oh yeah and I was thinking, wow, wow, those were two names. Like, we were, certainly in Cameron's case, a stalwart. Um, Miazga always the coming thing, but never really made it through. And so I did a quick Google on because Cameron sticks in my mind uh, for that horrific night in September 1st, 2017, five years ago, when uh, Costa Rica came 1 2 0 in Harrison, New Jersey, in, in Red Bull Arena, and made us worry. And the center backs that day, Andrew, Tim Ream, and Jeff Cameron. And sadly, I guess it left an indelible impression that could never be overruled again. <laughs> just for, like with at that. least for Ream. Oh yeah, just it was like, also the game that basically assured New York City of never getting another World Cup qualifier. Oh my! The, the fallout of that was all about how have we how have we allowed so many Costa Rican fans into this ground? Um, yeah. One more thing from you on this game, which really stirred up a lot of a lot of talking points. Um, I know it was an early kickoff. You tweeted me the picture that Sean Francis, the football journalist, tweeted five minutes to to, uh, to kick off in Red Bull Arena, and it's pretty much empty. And you suggest- You can literally count the people. You can count the people. And it didn't really fill up. Um, it's a problem. It, it, it is a problem. And you... You suggested that maybe this isn't working. I hate to throw you under I mean, the bus. 
I actually enjoy <laughs> it. I don't hate it. Look, I don't know. There has to be a reason for it. Um, is it a jaded fan base with their inability to win there? Are they put off by the fact that there aren't really, you know, they, the Red Bulls went through that period of time where they were all in on big names on Cahill, um, you know, Bradley Wright Phillips emerged as one of the biggest names in, in MLS. Uh, but they've kind of moved away from that a little bit. Uh, so maybe they're, that's, you know, un- unfortunately like the team has continued to win, but, you know, in in American sports culture, especially in a city like New York, uh, not having a name and lights player hurts. I'm sure. Uh, I don't know if for some people that stadium is just not easy to access. I mean, I know there's a path station there, uh, but I don't know if you're coming from New York, it's not easy. Um, it's better. I don't than know. It was. I don't know what the reason is, but but to see a weekend playoff game with uh within a, a turnout like that is I don't know what you say it's better than other the, than something here is not working it's be, like in terms of getting there from New York it is better the station's been upgraded um, but having lived in New Jersey there would be so many youth soccer games on on a Saturday morning at that time that probably didn't help things either and oh, to think that that is cutting into a, a MLS playoff. It definitely is. It definitely is. And it's a pain to get there from, from a car. You can be backed up going onto that bridge coming from the Jersey side. I mean, look from that perspective, it's a New York problem. It's not a Red Bulls problem. Cause you're like, there are games here of jets, giants, Yankees, Mets. Like the, I don't want to go to any of those games sometimes because everything is hard to get to in New York yeah. traffic, just the distance to like get from one thing to the next, like nothing is really convenient. I guess you could say the garden is um, being above Penn station, but like other sports venues. And I, I would say that that one, I guess maybe falls into it, but I don't know. I saw the tweet and I just, I saw it. And I just thought, wow. Yeah. Like that, that can't be, it's but, not good. but it be um, one other thing. We we're going to get uh, the biggest El Trafico ever to be played as they'll meet in the postseason, which should be uh, an enormous amount of fun. Really exciting win for the Galaxy. Um, had a goal ruled out. Chicharito scored. The goal was ruled out for a foul in the buildup, which I think was right, but it was it was close. It was certainly close. Um, but they do wind up winning 1-0 in a really exciting game. So, well, yeah, we'll get that. The uh, We thought maybe the next El Trafico would have been the one at the Rose Bowl, but not not yet. There's going to be one more, so that'll be fun. Yeah, uh, And also, back to FC Cincinnati, they get the union next. That's a really interesting one because there's so many connections between the two teams. Players, I mean, it was Sergio Santos who set up Brandon Vasquez's goal, but, you know, Pat Noonan, uh, Chris Albright, uh, who else am I forgetting? There's other, uh, Ray Gaddis. Uh, there's a number of players. Like, the two teams have just, like, they've just shared talent. Yeah. Um, and so that, that, Pat Noonan was talking about it afterwards, how that will be a lot of fun not only playing the num- against the number one seed, but with just all the connections between the two teams. So that uh, there's there's a little more intrigue to that one. I, I just um, want to give Montreal a bit of shine. Um, I thought yeah. they dealt with uh, Orlando very well. Orlando didn't get a shot on target. The atmosphere in Montreal was fantastic. Real playoff atmosphere. Um, Orlando had one big chance at nil-nil where Cara just, I mean, he's opened his body out and he's, he's kind of, he didn't blaze it over. He's put too much on. It's gone over the crossbar. And uh, and look, Montreal looked very, looked very composed, came through the game well. That's a that's an excellent result for them. 
Um, and yeah, I was very impressed with the with the crowd in Montreal. Yeah. Uh, and by the way, to go back to the Red Bulls real quickly, I know we have a lot of Red Bulls listeners. Mm. Um, I would love to, I mean, maybe I'm way off base and, and I would love to hear from you all directly at CO Soccer Pod and like explain to us um, about the turnout and like what, like if, if there are reasons that we've said that you agree with or totally disagree with and think it's something else, or if you think this is a problem that we're completely overrating, I don't think that that's necessarily true. Um, but if you think we're way off base, I would, I would love to hear more on this. Cause I just, I just found it interesting over the weekend. I know it's kind of a peripheral thing. And by the way, they'll hate this, but since we started talking, JJ, NYCFC have scored twice, Gabriel Pereira, and Maxi Morales. So the end is, the end is potentially nigh for, uh, for Gonzalo Higuain. And Phil Neville. The end of a, yeah. Uh, let's round it out now with a mailbag. What do you say? Uh, yeah, we got a nice mailbag here, Andrew caught offside pod at gmail.com you can get us there and the aforementioned at co soccer pod please follow us there uh early fan art merch idea from mike andrew i don't know what you think it's like a almost like a beer label with caught offside podcast on it our names yeah my my only question is why does it say brooklyn on it yeah i don't know i guess he's kind of leaning into my uh leaning into my heritage more than yours (laughs) but we really (laughs) Well, also, who is that? Not offside podcast, that... Westchester. No. Well, or it, or it might not need a location. Well, it does. It, it's got to be either Upper West Side or Brooklyn. We're not putting Westchester on it. We might as well have a some kind of a suburb. What's wrong with that? It's, it's suburb. It's not cool. It's it's hard to brand. Very hard to brand Westchester. Well, I'll say this: the rest of it is really nice. It is. Um, but you're right. It does look like a beer label. Yeah. I like maybe it. Maybe you maybe you'll tweet it out later. Yeah, I'll tweet it out later. Um Syracuse. Thank you, Mike. Cheers, Mike. Syracuse and field storming. James Wilson. Andrew, tell us your thoughts on Syracuse being six and zero for the first time since nineteen eighty seven oh in football. Also, what would soccer be like if field storming happened as often as it now seems to happen in college football? Did um, you see the scene in Knoxville? I mean, oh my god. Yeah. I you can see how that won't work in soccer. No. Well, I mean, we've seen it recently. It happened twice at the end of last season with Everton and Manchester City. Yeah, it's not, and it was, and and there were moments of real ugliness. What was it? Patrick Vieira had to fend off attackers. Yes, a guy who was um, also filming the attack, which is uh, another level of intelligence altogether. Um, oh, quickly, give us a quick, uh, a quick blurb on Syracuse, Andrew. I mean, some of the programs I've seen them play in going six and zero. Oh, I mean, they played a kindergarten. I'm pretty sure. At one point. Uh, yeah, Wagner, I think it was. Oh, that was, wasn't it like 49 nothing at halftime? So, yeah, it was something. But like, that's what you're supposed to do. They did it. Look, they just, NC State was 15th in the country. All right. So, I don't know. When, they beat Louisville. Yeah, uh, no, that's look, a good result. I mean, they'll, now they'll get a chance to answer their critics because they've got at Clemson this week. And then I know Notre Dame has had kind of a not so good season, but then they host Notre Dame after that. So we'll we'll know. We'll know in the end, but I'll say this, like, so now we want to play that game with Syracuse football of, yeah, but who have they played? Like, they're usually the team where teams say, yeah, but who have they played? So the fact that they're doing this to other teams, like, I'm not taking anything away from them. Okay. This is amazing. This is like, this is, in, I've been a Syracuse fan my whole life. This is uncharted territory. And I think you knew they'd be okay coming into the season. Like, they had a couple players that that appear to be NFL talent, but... I mean, this has come together in a way that I don't know if anyone expected 6-0. and But like I said, the schedule kicks up. One thing I saw that was interesting is um, 
I forget who tweeted this, but something to the effect of only like seven schools, something like that, have never uh, in, in Power Five conferences have never hosted College Game Day, and Syracuse is one of them. If they beat Clemson, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it speaks to just like what they've been over the last twenty years. Yeah. Um, but but if they beat Clemson, which is a no easy task, that is probably probably not going to win that. But if they do. It's got to be Syracuse Notre Dame at the dome in two weeks, with Syracuse potentially being top ten at that point and undefeated. Got to be game day, right? Exactly. I mean, I don't haven't looked at the schedule to see what else, but like if they can't pick that one for them, then then they'll just never get one. So, uh, happy anyway. times in both footballs for Andrew and the Eagles just ticking along as well. So and the Phillies in the NLCS. Oh, wonderful! We're so pleased for you. So pleased. Uh, hi Andrew and JJ enjoyed your pod so much over the years glad I'll be able to continue listening on the new feed that you're now stepping away from ESPN also good luck to Andrew as he transitions from his day job at the Michael K show I'm sure Manny probably all of the caught offside community share in my hope that whatever he is moving on to will be even better for him it's not necessarily any of our business so no pressure but if you did feel like sharing more information about any of that we'd love to know as we're all rooting for you Andrew all the best Gordon what a lovely email that's very nice but you can't tell very, them anything. Very nice. What can I tell them? Um, can we wait a week? Okay, let's wait a week then. Because right. I don't want to break any any confidences. Uh, uh, Dennis asks on the Reddit in the in the animals thread, what's JJ's favorite James Joyce story novel? <laughs> in honor of JJ going straight from a Liverpool match in a bar to whatever James Joyce event he went to. Um, that was at the Morgan Library. They had a, a retrospective of all his, some of his... Um, uh, documents and uh, paraphernalia regarding ephemera, I think they call it, uh, regarding um, Ulysses. Uh, Ulysses was 100 years old uh, recently. My favorite James Joyce story novel. Um, I love Dubliners, the, the collection of short stories. I absolutely love it. And, and The Dead, which I studied in college, is just so amazing and so beautiful that I read it every Christmas. I go back and I read it again. It's It's beautiful. And it's a story about love and and death, and yeah, it's 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 special. I I I really find it hard to put uh, words on. Like you just need to go and read it, and as, mm. especially the last last few paragraphs where he closes out. Um, but yeah, it's wonderful. Oh, I would say <clears throat> it's tough to be in a love battle with someone who's died because their memory is is perfectly and. Uh, preserved and it's very difficult to uh, to usurp that person from the mind of uh, of your loved one anyway uh, <laughs> Erling Bald Froutland <laughs> and now we get this from you you are really you are a very dynamic character uh, one, other, one other thing is I, I coming out of the Monroe yesterday all that was racing through my, my mind was what will we title the podcast and the best I could come up with was how Salah got his groove back <laughs> I kind of like that. Yeah. But this is the kind of warped mind that I have. Uh, Jad the Red finishes us up. The boys often discuss what they are watching or planning on watching. My question is, have either watched Bad Sisters? I've never even heard of it. I actually. haven't either. I haven't even. I, yep. That that has passed me by. I'm going to have to watch that one. No, I'm still firmly entrenched in Yellowstone. Oh, yeah. Um, but uh, my problem right now, I mean, once this month, like, come on, man. How how are you a sports fan watching normal television right now? No. There's just there's too much. It's too much happening. Ooh. It's amazing, but it's 
Like, but and, and like I said, with the Phillies going on this run, baseball's postseason is great. Basketball starts this week. In fact, I have my fantasy basketball draft in 14 minutes. Um, NFL, like college, obviously all the soccer. That's what we're talking about. Like, there's this is just a month where just like all TV viewing goes on hold for me. There's just not time. But it's good to mix it up. It is good to mix it up. Do you you kind of bad be... sisters? I'll, I'll look that up though. Yeah, Sharon Horgan, who's very funny, great actress. Eve Hewson, which uh, who I believe is Bono, um, Bono's daughter. Um, oh. They are uh, they're in it. It's it's a thriller. So uh, yeah, I'll, I'll give that a give that a look. Thank you for that. And that okay. is the mailbag at co soccer pod on twitter caught offside pod at gmail.com and then i have to change the handle but it remains for the moment caught offside don't even you have to change it It it's weird to reference it all right caught offside on instagram that's not right either no it's caught offside espn (laughs) Uh, something's got to be done about that yeah I'll, i'll fix it tomorrow okay um this was awesome i uh i enjoyed this thoroughly like i said rate review What's that? When are we back? When's what do you next mean, one? when are we back? When's our next pod? I don't know. Yeah, we've got to figure that one out because there's a midweek slate of Premier League games. The sports... The yeah, fo- I know. Some some real big ones. The football will not stop. No, no. It refuses to. Absolute outright refusal. Um, well, we'll be back, though. Uh, we don't have the, the time, but just keep, keep updating your feed. Keep telling your friends, um, any soccer fans in your life that maybe liked us, don't know where we went. It's up to all of you, all right? It's incumbent upon you. I'm pointing right at you, okay? You there. You don't think I'm talking to you. I'm talking to you, all right? Let everyone know. Uh, Caught Offside is still the feed, but it's a different picture. It's a whole new world with our faces, all right? So that's what you want to look up. Um, and uh, and the show goes on. We continue. Uh, we'll be back. Maybe we'll have. we'll see if we have something for you later this week, but obviously we'll have something big next week as well. You got anything else, my friend? No, that's it, Andrew. Well, then all I have to say is to you, I say... Check you later, fun boy. See you, man. Take care. You've been listening to the Caught Offside Soccer Podcast. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.